Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Boolean Review Podcast. The Boolean Review Podcast is brought to you by Sky Media, a dental marketing company that specializes in working with endodontists and oral surgeons. First off, if you do not follow us on Instagram, please check out our Instagram page. Our username is Boolean Review. We are new to Instagram, so we don't have very many followers, but we are making a real effort to put out valuable content and nuggets of information focused on the topic of reviews, and in particular, how to get more reviews if you're a dental practice. Today, I am with the Instagram dental celebrity, Dr. Joyce Kong. And she, uh, you can find her on Instagram at the handle Joyce the Dentist. And she also is the owner of Orange Magnolia Dental Studio. And uh, she built this practice in a very modern style. It's very spa-like, patient-focused. And her emphasis in the practice is on painless, comfortable care that improves the patient's life. And she also has a particular interest in working with patients that have dental-related anxiety. So really interested in chatting with her about Instagram, the reviews that they've gotten, and uh, just everything that she has learned in the time of being a business owner. So Joyce, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for that generous intro. Yeah, <laughs> not a problem. So you, the, that's one of the things that I love about Instagram. I, I met, I've met several very cool and just passionate dentists um, because of this medium that we're able to engage and whatnot that I'm confident probably never would have crossed paths with otherwise. And I'm sure you've met a handful of other people and kind of network and expanded your network because of Instagram. But mm -hmm. how long ago did you start this, uh, the journey on Instagram as Joyce, the dentist? I actually started one year ago. It's on the 7th and today's the 13th of February. So I celebrated my one year anniversary a week ago. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so a year in a year's time, did you start it from nothing? You had zero followers and, or did you convert your personal one into this? I started, so I actually did when I took over my practice in 2014, I, I opened an Instagram account, but I didn't really post anything in it. And I started off with about a hundred personal friends. And then from there, I started committing to it in 2018, February, 2018, and started really, really trying from there. And so that's when I started trying and it's been one year and we've grown to about 12,000 followers. That's awesome. And one of the things that I noticed you, you do these, and I don't know if you have uh, a particular name for this like series that I would call it, but you have like dental education or like little 60 second things on um, your favorite products, oral hygiene, how to floss easier. Um, when did that idea of putting out more like educational content in addition to, um, you know, mixing in stuff about what you're up to personally and cases and whatnot? Well, I started off just playing it by ear. I really had no idea when I first started because I would see other Instagrams. They would post their before and afters of teeth. And I tried doing that. It didn't get a lot of engagement. And when I sat down and thought about who my audience was, it was really the patients. I really had an Instagram not to attract other dentists, but more patients for my practice. And so I wanted to give them information that could be of value to them. That's why I ended up doing videos um, to focus on 
how to improve their oral hygiene, what to look at. Because I was walking through Costco one day and I just saw so many different kinds of toothpaste, toothbrushes. It can get really overwhelming for the patient. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I feel like every time uh, you go, I'm, I'm trying to remember, it was in a marketing book that I read. I want to say it was by like Seth Godin or something, but he was talking about there was a period in time where companies realized that they could like rebrand or recreate products in different, <laughs> like emphasize different elements of the product and open up completely new markets, whether that was from like tomato sauce or whatever. And before that time, whenever this elusive date was, it was just like, there's toothpaste, there's a toothbrush and like one type of potato chip. And, you know, which is kind of hard to even comprehend now, but nowadays you walk into the uh, oral health aisle and there's a plethora of things that are just kind of like overwhelming. And, uh, for me as a, just a consumer, you, there's definitely a enormous, um, I feel like most of the time I just go with like a cool looking box or mm -hmm. something. Oh, tartar control. That sounds good. I have no idea what that means, but I, I probably need that, you know, or something that catches your attention. A lot of the market really is just advertising and trigger words that mm -hmm. sometimes it scares the patient or sometimes it sounds good. So my Instagram is to help patients navigate that aisle. Hmm. Yeah. What, it, what have you learned or what has surprised you most in the year or so that you've been doing uh, Instagram? I think there are some dentists that have really, really huge followings and they're more of celebrity dentist. I like to focus more on the everyday person. My practice is a boutique style neighborhood practice. And what I like to offer is really high quality bread and butter dentistry. And, um, I'm not really focusing on those aesthetic cases. So I wanted to reach a more broad crowd and I do focus a lot on education and prevention in my practice as well. So I wanted that to be reflected in Instagram, but I think what surprised me most about Instagram is how powerful it is in reaching patients, because I always thought mm. this is how I started off. I was like, well, you know, we're not a food, food Instagram. Those are easy to grow. Um, I would I would say that dentists have a little bit of a harder time growing their Instagram because the information is maybe not as sought after there. It's not, it's not nice to look at. It's not like interior design, food pictures, mm -hmm. model pictures. Um, it's not as easy to deliver in a way that people want to take it in. Uh, but people have started following me and I have patients that come now and they are like really, 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 their dental IQ is way higher. Um, they ask the right questions and I'm so impressed by them. And you think that's a direct correlation because they've been watching your content? Yeah, they actually come to my practice because of my content. <laughs> mm. That's awesome. So, and do you, I guess I could look very quickly, but do you tag your, all of your content, are you having the location be in your specific vicinity on most of your posts? Sometimes I actually will do it randomly sometimes just so that I don't know exactly how this part of Instagram works, but uh -huh. I think the location geotag does do something. So if I'm always in Costa Mesa, I was thinking I only reach Costa Mesa people. Right, right. 
That's interesting. So as far as reviews go, that's what we obsess and think about all day over here at Boolean. Um, <laughs> when did you really start focusing on reviews as something that was um, going to be beneficial or a particular um, area of focus amongst your staff? With reviews, I found that, well, let's just say I came into my practice putting that as one of the number one things that we needed to do to grow this practice. So while I didn't start growing my Instagram until 2018, I took over my practice in 2014. And right off the gate, I thought that that was where I needed to focus all of my energy. Um, I was a <laughs> fun fact. I was a Yelp elite for five years running in New York. Uh -huh. And I know how important a review is. And I sort of know the back end of um, what it's like to give reviews and what to look for. And so what I did was I first focused on making sure that the practice was running at a quality that somebody would want to give a review. Mm. So that's that was like the number one thing I did. That's, that's super, or you said a number of things that I'm really, my mind spinning that I didn't realize. First of all, I feel like the biggest thing that I want to address, the first thing that I want to address is, is Yelp in particular, because mm -hmm. I personally am a big user of Yelp, both from the consumer perspective when I'm looking to go to a restaurant or something like that. Um, but also I, I feel like I, I have no relationship with Yelp. Um, and I am just a big fan of what they like. I know that reviews are important and I love their platform. And at first as a business owner, I was frustrated by the recommendation software, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you're very familiar with. Yes. Um, and th that's, I feel like that's the number one thing that's misunderstood that dentists get upset about. Um, and for whatever reason, it seems like a huge per percentage of dentists and I will say also, it's typically out of California for whatever reason, maybe it's just, you know, the Silicon Valley, um, bubble down there. Uh, there's more dentists in California that are pro Yelp than against Yelp. But for the vast majority of the country, it seems that there is a very high percentage of dentists that just really, really dislike Yelp or pay no attention to it and have no desire to kind of figure out how to grow the number of reviews on there. So what is being on the Yelp elite side, well, first of all, explain to everyone listening what that is. I know what that is, but I'm sure some dentists are unaware of that. <laughs> kind of explain what that was and how that knowledge that you gained from being an, an, a Yelp elite user um, has transitioned into your practice and how you approach Yelp from a dental business owner perspective. So Yelp elite, you could always sign up and be a Yelper, but a Yelp elite is someone who writes a lot of reviews and they're not just the everyday review. They're voted as cool, funny, or useful by, by the people who use Yelp. And every year you can be nominated to join the Yelp elite squad, if you will. And mm. um, you have to be voted into it. If you are voted in five years, you become a gold member. So... I think that those reviews do hold a little bit more weight because they're supposed to be more helpful um, and they always have a certain style based on the way that that Yelper writes. Ah. And so you were, you were a gold member, is that correct? 
I was. I don't use it that much anymore, but I always use it to find things. And that's why I know that Yelp is something that is very, very important, especially I'm a millennial and millennials use Yelp. Um, even my parents Right, absolutely. use Yelp. <laughs> so Yep. sometimes, you know, when I first started my practice and there are times I'm frustrated with, with getting like a negative review, but it's something that I see as being a necessary evil. Almost you have to understand how it works and you have to beat it so that you can use it to your advantage as a business owner. Mm. On the topic of negative reviews, I feel like a big thing that, and I don't, it's always projecting just from conversations that I have with dentists, but I feel like one of the reasons dentists don't want to participate in the review world is because they're afraid that they would get a negative review and that is going to ruin their business. That's always something that you should be afraid of. Like, I'm afraid of getting a negative review, but am I that afraid? Not really, because we focus a lot on creating a very, very good um, patient experience here. And yes, there's always going to be someone who writes you a negative review. And I used to be so... The first time I got my first negative review, I used to be, I was like heartbroken. I would just think about it all day, all night, all day, all night. And sometimes when I get a negative review, I'm still like that because we try so hard. We care so much about our practice and our reputation. And it sucks that somebody can just go out there and write whatever they want. But the only way to combat a negative review is by having more positive reviews. And that's what we focus on at my practice. Mm, yeah. That's, I feel like that is the, the way to overcome the fear of negative reviews is to get a lot of reviews <laughs> so that when that inevitable one comes, you know, it's going to be much, much better if you have a hundred reviews and you've got three bet one stars, then you're not paying any attention to it at all. And the first patient that doesn't like your practice happens to go online when you only have five reviews or 10 reviews. And now that has a much bigger impact on your overall, you know, star rating. Mm -hmm. I think by being on Instagram, I've grown kind of a thicker skin. I do realize that, you know, we're not for everyone and that's okay. And I'm okay with the occasional negative review. I had one where I, I would say that I deserved it. I learned a lot from it. It wasn't a, a scathing review though. It wasn't like a malicious person. I just, we didn't tell them something about their insurance. And um, you could say that they should have known that, but I took that to heart and I made changes. So I like the fact that you can get feedback from patients. It's nicer if they tell you upfront, but sometimes patients don't feel comfortable doing that and they have all the right to write you a review. And I'll take that review and make the practice better, which I have. Um, I think what most people are afraid of is when they get that scathing review from somebody who they tried their best, there was nothing they could do, and that person just did not have a good attitude about it and just wanted to maliciously put their practice down. And that's a real fear, but you have to, I wouldn't say you have to, let's take that back, but I would prefer to be on Yelp given that I get so many patients from Yelp and I know how many people are on Yelp than to not be part of the, the platform and to focus my money on maybe more antiquated marketing 
um, right. Absolutely. Techniques. So that I'm super, first of all, super impressed and like good for you because what you just said, you use those, you use the negative reviews to actually improve your practice. And that's the other part that I feel like needs to be, uh, overly emphasized. Cause I feel like no one talks about that, but like you said, yeah, sure. There's going to be someone that's very upset and maybe there's not a lot of real, like value that you can take away because they're just an angry person and that, mm -hmm. that will happen. But there are definitely times when someone might be, you know, upset that like, Hey, you guys didn't tell me it was going to cost me a hundred dollars extra in this circumstance or whatever. And it's like, well, it's your insurance policy. <laughs> I don't, mm -hmm. don't, you should be aware of it on one hand, but from a customer service perspective, like everything's that business's fault. Like you have to assume like if, if someone, if one person has that issue, why not be overly abundant, like abundantly clear for every other patient in the future and have a, like an extra five minutes where you talk to them specifically about their, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm not, I don't know if that's exactly what's happened in that situation, but whether it's someone being upset about waiting times, usually negative reviews are about money, um, and especially in the dental world, billing, uh, insurance, it's generally not like, uh, I mean this, like it's not on this, this dentist is an awful dentist. I really dislike the, you know, the cavity filling that they gave me, you know, it's never on the work itself or extremely rare cases. Mm -hmm. Usually it's some sort of miscommunication or a mishap in the operations of the practice. And that's what they're critiquing. Yep. I totally agree. I think it's most of the time, the way that finances are handled and communicated. So I learned my lesson. I'm trying my best. And that's sort of where Instagram comes into play as well, because I have only owned this practice for four years. And there's no way that I'm going to be perfect or know every obstacle that comes my way. So I do need that feedback. Um, but on the other hand, what Instagram does for me is that it humanizes me as a dentist and a business owner to a lot of my followers. And as long as I come off genuine that I want to do things better next time, people realize I'm learning and they're not quite as hard on me. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's awesome. So why would you say that it's important from a very practical standpoint in today's world for dentists to actually be focusing on getting reviews? It's social proof. Social proof uh, where other people are writing you a review. People look for those reviews when they're looking for a dentist. So in my practice, we, we do ask for reviews from our patients. We don't ask necessarily for a review, we give them a card, like an invitation to share their experience either with their friends or family or on Google, Yelp, whatever it may be. But we always, we never use the word review. We always use the term share your experience. If it was a positive one, it would really, really help us out. Mm. So the basically the, <clears throat> and I want to get into the specifics of how you bring up the topic of sharing experiences, reviews, feedback and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But basically the, when you, as a dentist, you're saying that getting social proof from other people that have used your practice or mm -hmm. used your services is ultimately driving, like, have you, is it driving new patients to you 
or, um, and have you, have you, have you had patients say like, I came because I saw your phenomenal reviews or, or something like that? Yeah. Um, reviews have been one of the best sources of new patients. And it's not just from Yelp. It's not just from Google reviews. It's always a combination. So whether they get a flyer in the mail or they hear about you from a friend, they will always look you up and make sure that you have great reviews. And I have patients that come and I'll be like, how'd you find out about our office? And they'll be like, oh, I looked through my insurance list or whatever it may be. And you guys had really good reviews. And Even I've had someone say, you guys had really good reviews. The bad ones you responded to, and that meant a lot to me. So Mm. that tells me a lot about your practice. Right, right. What you just said about um, how it's part of the process when a patient is deciding where to go, I feel Mm -hmm. like that is a critical thing to understand as a, like understanding the patient journey, because so often, like you might ask patients, how did you hear about us? And they say, oh, my friend Tommy told me about you because he's a patient of yours or whatever. Or they could say, I saw an ad or I saw a flyer in the mail or my uh, orthodontist referred me to you or whoever it is. They might they have their reason. But what they know, what they don't say is that, you know, 99 percent of people, if they're especially the younger generation, at some point from the getting the initial word of mouth referral from their friend they definitely came across or looked at reviews of your practice and other practices just from mm-hmm. simply like if, if someone said, Hey, you should go to orange Magnolia dental studio. And I go online to find the phone number to call you guys, I'm going to see your reviews. Mm-hmm. And those reviews can either be something that solidifies the recommendation that I was already given and then makes giving like calling you that much easier or potentially, if you don't have a lot of reviews, it might lead them to say, eh, I, mean, I might look around. I'm going to look to see what else is in the area and see if there's any other dentist that I should check out. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think that's definitely the process that people go through. And I would say that even if, like right now, I have at least like 60 plus reviews. And even when I was in this 30 plus range, people would say that I had a lot. I had a lot of good reviews and it's more so I guess a consensus that of what they're reading between all the reviews than for me to just have let's say that they saw my practice and it had one review but their best friend was like this is the best dentist ever it doesn't make sense right right yeah exactly they would be like why did so and so tell me to come here like nobody else thinks they're great <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned that some of your reviews get filtered out. Um, I'm familiar with this, but I'm curious as, with your experience on the Yelp Elite side, if you have any other advice or words of wisdom for dentists. It looks like with the unrecommended reviews, you'd be at about 91 or so reviews on Yelp, um, mm-hmm. but you only have 63 recommended that are showing up in your average. How does the filtering work or what have you learned in Um, the effective ways to kind of not work against the system? There are a few things that are for sure. If I write a review being a Yelp Gold member, it's not going to be filtered out. It's going to weigh a little bit more heavy than somebody who has one friend or has only written one review. So that's one thing. But I have to assume that part of the algorithm is figuring out whether you are a real patient that 
and you found that practice through Yelp organically. So I'm sure they somehow, and I, I don't know about this, but I do think if you click on the website, you call through the app, you check into the practice, those things all would help a review stick. Is that something that right. you know more of? <laughs> no, that's, I think that's spot on. I think that there are, they look at, first of all, Yelp doesn't say exactly how the algorithm works, but they have indicated some general like best practices. But my advice uh, for whether it's Google, Yelp, Facebook, or even like trying to rank well with SEO, I always have faith in the platform to continue to optimize and improve their algorithm to eliminate any bias or unfairness or like, you know, hacking the system or, or gaming the system that a dentist or business owner might figure out, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Meaning like if you find a loophole on how to get more reviews to stick on Yelp, I'm of the belief that that loophole is going to get closed real quick and those are going to get pulled or they're going to figure out how to stop that from happening because what Yelp really wants is a true representation of like what you're rated as a practice compared to other practices in your area. Mm -hmm. Yelp doesn't care about your business. They care about providing like accurate ratings for your business to the patient because Yelp succeeds when more people use Yelp and more people use Yelp when they're getting accurate representations for where they're, you know, where they're going to get various services. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. to your point, Absolutely. I, I think if you watch Yelp has a recommendation software video and they talk mm -hmm. about um, some of like on a high level their um, their software and they say basically that not all reviews are equal. And if there's someone that is a more frequent reviewer or uses Yelp, like you're saying, a Yelp elite person, they should be rated or their uh, review should be weighted higher than someone who creates an account yesterday, leaves a review today and never uses Yelp again. Just because from a, you know, from when you're trying to just evaluate that scenario objectively, it's, you wonder what caused that person to want to create an account. Are they a friend of the dentist? Um, they have some bias if they're gonna go online, go through all the trouble of creating it and then only leave one review. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I agree with that entirely. And then the idea of, yeah, the more indications of them actually being a patient, whether that's checking in or uploading photos, the length of review, I'm sure all of that plays in. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is, um, according to Yelp, is that if someone reviews more frequently or is an active user on Yelp, they have more friends, they're probably going to get their reviews to stick far, far more frequently than the people that don't. And what that means for a dentist is, don't go ask your patients to leave you reviews on Yelp if they don't have accounts and they don't use it because mm -hmm. they're going to create the account. They're going to leave it. It's going to be on there for a day. And then the next day it's going to get taken off because they don't use Yelp. I do think there, um, there's a part that I probably haven't figured out. And I do think that there's some linkage to advertising. Um, but with their entire algorithm, I have not been able to figure it out but I'm just using common sense here. And those are the things I picked up because sometimes I look at a practice that I'll look at a practice on Yelp that has maybe 80, 90 reviews and they only have three filtered out. And I'm like, huh, 
I look through their reviews and I'm like, do those people have more followers? Do they have more, do they have better, did they have a better review? Did they write more reviews in the past? I look through that and it looks pretty much the same as the ones that mine get filtered out. So I, I don't know if it's all just legit and that's the kind of the, I guess it's not the beauty of Yelp, but it's the hit or miss of Yelp. You don't really know how it works and you're kind of at the mercy of it and you just need to get more reviews. Right. Yeah. And I think that's at the end of the day, uh, I guess the best way to approach it mentally is to just assume that, I mean, worst case scenario, you know, half of your reviews are going to get filtered. <laughs> and if you just accept that as that's, what's going to happen, then if you want a hundred reviews, you're going to have to get 200, you know, and then you might get lucky. And in your case, what it looks like maybe only like 20% or so, 30%, um, 30% of your reviews are filtered, which is still like, yeah, it would be nice to have those, but mm -hmm. you're doing, you're doing pretty well. And 63 reviews for a dentist on Yelp is more than I would say, probably 95% of dentists or maybe even higher because there's so many dentists that are just refusing to play the game entirely. Oh, in my area, everyone's on Yelp. It's almost like It's because you're you a can't Californian. not be on That's Yelp. the, <laughs> <laughs> You're no, yeah, suicide for whatever if reason. you're not on Yelp. <laughs> Oh yeah. Everyone down in California is just, uh, I've actually had clients of ours say that they don't, they don't care about reviews anywhere except Yelp. And then other parts of the country, they're like, wait, what did you say? Yelp? What is that? And they just have, <laughs> they're totally uninterested and unaware of the value in that. So are, are you one of them? This is the other thing that I am. I think this is a really good fact for people to know. First of all, dentists will tell me frequently, oh, my patients, you know, we're in this you know, rural area or in a different part of the country and our patients don't use Yelp to look up um, dental offices or nobody does that, which is maybe true on the level of, I'm sure they're not going to yelp.com and saying, find me a dentist maybe, Mm-hmm. or they're not going to their Yelp app. But what people don't know is all the places that the Yelp rating for your business is distributed to other search engines and other devices. Are you aware? You, do you know what I'm talking about? No. So like on iPhones, when you use Siri Mm -hmm. uh, to say, if I just ask Siri, you know, I need a dentist near me or something like that. Or if I go to Apple Maps and ask for uh, or search for a dentist near me, the ratings of the businesses in Apple results are ratings from Yelp. So there are dentists that have 600 reviews on Google and four reviews on Yelp. And guess what? For all their patients that have iPhones or all the prospective patients that have iPhones and they don't go to google.com when they're doing their search and they just open up their default maps app on their phone, they're seeing the four reviews that that business has on Yelp, not the ones that That's they have very on Google. interesting. And so the takeaway, and I guess the other thing that's also important to know is that it's not only on iPhones, but Amazon devices, Mm -hmm. they're using Yelp reviews. If you go look at Bing and Yahoo search results, they also use Yelp reviews. And Bing is the default search engine within the Safari browser on iPhones. So you can, once you get an iPhone, you can go in and change the default search engine away from Bing. 
if, if you're following me on this, mm-hmm. but, and which is what I have done. Cause I like Google, but if someone doesn't do that, anytime they're just doing a search in their browser without going to google.com, it's going to show them results based on Bing results as opposed to Google. And so again, the reason that I feel like this is so critical for people to understand is that the takeaway is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like you need to have reviews on Google, but you also need them on Yelp, whether or not you think that the people in your demographic are going to use Yelp to find the dentist. You know what I mean? They might be using their phone or a device or Alexa or whatever, and that's going to still come across the Yelp reviews that you may be ignoring. Yeah, that's sort of what we've done is so we don't specifically ask for a Yelp or a Google review. Like I said, we ask for an ex- to share an experience. So whatever they have, um, we have probably over 60 Google reviews as well for people who have a Google account. And then we have um, the Yelp reviews separately for those patients that write us those reviews. And I think my practice is a very small practice. I can see that an orthodontist or a pediatric dental practice would have way more reviews than this, but I have a small boutique style two chair practice. This is a lot of reviews for a practice that only sees, you know, maybe 16 patients maximum a day. And I'm only open here three and a half days a week, three days, Mm. actually this trimester, because I'm teaching this trimester, but three days. And it's a lot of, um, a lot of our patient base is, is actually very committed and wants to see us do well. So it's really been a blessing. That's awesome. Um, and so you said 16 patients a day, three days a week. Um, so you are, what is that, f- just under 50 patients in a week typically? Yeah, and the practice that I took over, they're all pretty much on their way out, if that's the nice way of saying it. They're older the and they, they don't even have cell phones. So mm. all the the newer patients that I have that found me through Yelp or Google are now leaving me reviews um, on those platforms in return. Cause it's, it's easiest to ask them. Like if you found, if they found us through Yelp, we know that they use Yelp. We'll just ask them to share their experience and whatever platform they want to use. Usually it's Yelp if they found us through Yelp. Right. Absolutely. You, um, when you purchased, orange or when you purchased the the dental office was it did you rebrand and do all of that after the fact i did change the name but the practice had maybe four reviews with the old doctor and i just started a new page for me (laughs) i didn't really want to take over his his uh, website or his or his anything i just wanted to start fresh and do it myself Okay. So that's actually perfect. Cause this is, um, the question that I, that we are trying to do our best to help other offices with is when you're in a practice and you can, I guess you can tell us what you did in your own practice to, to fulfill this. But so you've now been a, a dental practice owner for going on five years. If you were to go back to the beginning when you had, you know, no presence, you had basically no reviews, what would you, what would be the steps that you would implement with, you know, again, knowing what worked and what didn't work in the last five years that you've been doing this, what's like the optimal recommendation that you'd have for yourself or any other dentist that's trying to get the reviews off the ground when they don't have any or very many? Well, I think I've 
personally grown a lot. I was really shy when I took over the practice and that's not optimal for getting reviews. Um, so the number one thing though, I think you need to start off with is making sure that your practice would warrant a good review. And that's what I tell my associate too, because um, I let her know, like when I took over the practice, I had zero reviews. And now we, in four years, we have over 60 and I feel like I earned those reviews, you know, because I, I care so much about the ins and outs of the practice and making it better all the time. So you have to focus first on making sure that when, like, if you are going to ask a patient for a review, they want to actually write you a review because their experience was so good. Otherwise, they're going to write you a generic review. And yeah, it may not get filtered out, but it's not going to be very effective if somebody reads it. So that's the number mm. one thing. The second thing is you have to have some sort of system that you feel comfortable with. So for me, even to this day, I'm more outgoing now, but I still don't like asking. And that's part of my problem. A lot of doctors do ask, but I leave it up to my assistant. And my assistant, I've had two since then. They may not be comfortable themselves. But what I've done for them is we get these cards and they, it has all of our information. It has like a Google account or Yelp account, um, where to find us. And it's an invitation for them to give to their friends and family, but also to refer to if they want to go write us a review. And on that invitation, we tape like a little xylitol candy or whatnot. And the whole reason we do that is so that my assistant, when she asks, she's actually giving something to the patient, like here's an invitation. Because if you just cold ask, it's actually kind of awkward for a lot of people. So they'll give them mm. um, the card and be like, and this is just a xylitol candy. It's sugar-free. It's made from birch trees. Um, so it's a nice treat for you. And then this is also just a card. If you have any friends or family looking for a dentist, or if you had a good experience, if you could share your experience um, with others, it would really help um, others find our office. And if you bring it all back there, just letting them know that it'll really help us and it'll really help other people find us, then a lot of the times people will take that and go and write a review. That's awesome. This is the type of stuff that um, I love hearing how different practices do it so we can continue to build and share these ideas. So basically, first of all, I'm going to second what you said. A lot of people find it awkward. Um to as to you know how to get into the conversation about the review but i love what you your idea of i'm giving them something which is like a lead into like oh by the way the other thing on here is our our google listing or whatever so you could leave us a review but i like the idea of giving them a little piece of candy and just say hey here you go um how long ago did you guys start doing that we started maybe a year and a half into the practice it was the idea of one of, um, I had an assistant, she was a really great assistant and she had worked at a very established practice. So I picked up a, a lot of things from her and she's a really outgoing girl. And she, that was her idea. She made all the cards. She, otherwise I wouldn't have known. I was just a new practice owner. I was like, I don't know what to do. And she kind of guided me telling me this is what the other practice did. We should try it out and see if it works. And she didn't necessarily need the card, but to me, I think she felt more comfortable doing it still. So back to your steps, you were saying, number one, 
make sure you have a good practice that would warrant a good review. The second one is have a system that you feel comfortable with. And so am I correct in understanding that your system is you have these cards, there's a little piece of candy on it, and then the dental assistant knows that they need to ask to give this to the patient and then tell them about their sharing their experience. Is there anything else besides that? Yeah. Um, some, some days I'll go on, we'll, we'll probably meet in the morning and then we'll talk about who we want to ask specifically because the culture at my office is that we actually ask pretty much everyone. And so that card applies to everyone. The older patients that don't have Yelp or Google, they, we ask them for friends and family or people who um, do use Yelp and Google, we ask them. And even if we asked them last time, we ask them again because sometimes they go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But then they forget. So it's just part of the culture. If they already wrote us a review, then that card becomes friends or family. It's always asking, we're, we're giving them a piece of candy, but we're asking for something in return. You can also follow this up. I used several different programs and right now I'm not currently using one, but I've used um, the five star system. I think that's what's called with Bob and it was the some five coordination. Star with Bob. Five star review system with Bob or something like that, where okay. basically we'd ask them the back and it'd be followed up in the front by my front office, sending them an email that they could open and then the email would just say hey how was your experience what was, was it a five-star experience or a four-star and they can rate you if it's anything less than five it'll go back to a feedback sheet where they can give us feedback on how we're doing if it's a five then it'll go to another um, another landing page i guess where they could either write us a yelp or a google review and so okay. i did that for a while it was pretty successful and then I stopped because I started using Yappy. And with Yappy, they were able to send a text message, which I thought was a little bit easier on people rather than um, an email. Because with a text, you get it right away on the phone. They actually get it right in front of you if you send it. And you could just click on the Yelp or the Google. And if you have the Yelp app on um, your phone, then it'll open immediately and all you do is write instead of having to log in all that so it cuts out a lot of the steps that make it harder for a patient to write a review but you're not using either of those anymore i still use yappy but not the review system i've actually we've gotten pretty good at not using those systems these days so mm. we we've been pretty successful with just giving them the card and asking and I think it's because I've been at the practice for longer and these patients have been with me for a little bit longer and they, they're they at this point where it's like, okay, yeah, I owe her a review. She's done, you know, <laughs> she's seen me when I had an emergency and all this stuff. So um, they're at the point where they actually want to write me a review and it's been easier. But when you're first starting out, it's awkward and it's hard and you do have to coordinate so that you eliminate some of the hurdles for the patient. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that, um, we, uh, just on the five-star thing and you're not using this anymore, so that's good. But the, what, what you're describing is what's known as a review gate. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, where you are basically pre-filtering 
the possibility of a negative review before it gets out to Google. But those types of softwares are against Google and Yelp's terms of service as far as um, uh, basically anything that could, the goal of those is, is to limit uh, or prevent a bad review from getting online, right? Uh, if someone has a bad experience, they like, especially as more and more people are becoming aware of these different review gates that are out there, they can still just go to Google or Yelp and leave you a bad review. And the, from talking to from practices that use those, and I'm curious if your experience is the same when there is that feature to send all of the lower than five stars back to you so that you can get some feedback. Uh, how often did that happen? I never really got a bad review or feedback per se, but I would get maybe like a four and even that would bother me. And then Right. um, I, <laughs> I would look and be like, why is it a four? Why is it not a five? And it'd be something like, you know, the toilet paper is not as soft or something, something silly where it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> right. thank God. But I did like the feedback feature, but I did find out from another doctor that that's not ethical kind of like Right. how you're not supposed to monetarily exchange something for a review so, so, so along Right. those Right. lines and then um, that's sort of why I ended up stopping that system Yeah, no, and that's that's the key that I wanted. I'm glad you said that is because, first of all, you end up, if you're a good practice, less than 1% of your patients are ever going to give you a bad review anyways. So you're now putting all of the patients through just a few more clicks. It's not anything crazy, but the difference between possibly leaving a review in two clicks versus four or five clicks could be like the make or break on them actually doing it, if that makes sense. And then the other, so that's the first thing is I tell people, with review gates, do you really need it? Like if you've been using a review gate for a while, how go back and look, how often are you actually getting bad reviews and um, how many people are still going around that system to just leave the bad review online anyways? And then how much more difficult or how many reviews are you not getting because all of your happy patients, which are the majority, now have to go through an extra step And they think that they left a review once, but now it's redirecting them to Google or Yelp to relieve the review that they just left. You know what I mean? So anyways, Yeah. I think that the, um, if you're a good dentist and you're doing a good job, uh, the majority of your patients are going to leave you good reviews. And then the, the final kicker, which I, I think is just a good thing to remember having a few bad reviews is actually a, it can be a really good thing because, Uh, it adds credibility to your business. Um, it's not that you're trying to go find people to leave you bad reviews. You'd never do that. And if you could grow your quantity and, and maintain all five stars, that's great. But at the end of the day, if you've got 65 reviews and two people said they didn't like you and you respond to those reviews, like I don't have a problem as that as a, as a consumer. You know, like when I go shop on Amazon and I am looking between two different products, I'm okay picking the product that has a 4.8 average with, you know, 600 reviews as opposed to one that has all five stars and they've got 200 reviews, you know, because there's, there's some credibility that happens in numbers. And then also just seeing that, oh, the person that left a one-star review was upset because, um, you know, it was the wrong size or whatever. And, and it's like, oh, that's not going to affect me. I'm, I, everyone else liked it for the same reasons that I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had, Um, um, I've, <laughs> I've had a, 
bad, crafty bad review from somebody who had called the office and kind of threatened that they would leave us a one-star review if we didn't, if we charged them for their procedure. And they wrote a review making it sound like they had come to the office, they had done a procedure or something, and then we had charged them after the fact and they were shocked because we didn't tell them up front. And what I had, my front desk was like, Dr. Kong, you should know about this. What do I say to her? I was like, we do not negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) And lo and behold, (laughs) she did write that review. And I appealed it maybe three times with Yelp saying, because I looked through their list of things that they should not have on there. And I said, if they're receiving payment or incentive for review, but that's actually not what that one stipulation is about. So what I did was I just replied saying, sorry, like it sucks as a business owner that I'm getting my first one-star review from, I don't know who you are. You're not a patient of this practice. If you Mm. are, this it's not your real name. Right. That's super interesting. And that's, I can't believe that's the craziest story I've heard of someone being threatening with reviews. Um, I guess just for more of just curiosity, is there anything that uh, you want to share or promote or talk about from your, whether it's Instagram or just things that you're up to that um, are exciting and you'd like the listeners to know about? Um, I don't <laughs> I would love to say that there's something exciting. I'm always working on something. I I kind of phrase that in a way that's like <laughs> going to make you seem super lame if you don't have anything. <laughs> Is there anything exciting going on in your life? Uh, nope. <laughs> well, I I am working on quite a few things. I'm just it never stops. Um but I don't think I'm supposed to say it before it happens. <laughs> So like, it's even something stupid, like I'm working on a website for just myself as an Instagrammer. So right, right. it'd be silly. Like, I felt like that would be something silly to say, like, this is something exciting I'm working on. Well, I'm working on it, but it may not be that exciting for most people. Right, right. That's, but so you are working on a website for Joyce the Dentist? I am. I'm working also on writing maybe like a an ebook or something, something definitely that I want to provide for free for a lot of my friends that keep asking me how to grow their Instagram as a dentist. And it's a little bit tricky when you're a dentist. Like I said, it's not like delicious pictures of food. Like how do you do it? There are so many ways to do it and just finding your voice. And um, there's a lot of background on small little things that now I know, but when I started, I had no idea that's the way Instagram ran. So I just want to put out something. I've been writing it, whatever I think is helpful so that people can just read it and like kind of figure it out and do it. But I want there to be a little bit more transparency when it comes to that. Cause people keep asking me like, how did you grow so fast? Did you do something crazy? And I'm like, no, it took a lot of time. You have to put the work in, uh, but these are the small things that I picked up. So I, I do want to work on that. I am working on that. And just I just want to keep growing my practice. Right now, I'm trying to help my associate grow her schedule because my side of the schedule is very, very packed. But um, it always takes a little bit of time for an associate to acclimate to the practice and for people to start accepting that somebody else is at the practice. Mm. 
I'm assuming talking about Instagram in particular, you've kind of experimented and kind of tried to find a balance between um, trying to have a little bit more like trendy, fashionable and like artsy stuff in addition to the content. So that's just like, you know, here's some dental knowledge for you. Yeah, I think mine is what you would call like a lifestyle dental Instagram, which I think people who are hardcore dentists may not really look at highly. But again, mine is for the average consumer. And I did try other things before that didn't really go over that well. It's just like any sort of marketing. I see Instagram as marketing. It's it's more than that. But with any marketing that you do as a dental practice, you need to calculate your ROI. So with Instagram, I got a lot of people um, liking certain things and I would be able to analyze it and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this type of post because people are very receptive to it. It's just like if you sent out a flyer to your neighborhood and there's a certain section that doesn't do as well, you don't necessarily send to that section. You send to the sections that do well and you calculate it and then you adjust. So it's all about being adaptable, reading people. And I think reading people is is actually the biggest part of asking for someone to share their experience because that's why I don't need those um, those programs anymore because I feel like at the practice we're able to read the person better and um, knowing that they would give us a good review if they didn't, it'd be a shock to us. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I think awesome. all of these things kind of go hand in hand. It's being on Instagram has helped me with my reviews. Getting reviews has helped me with Instagram. Um, it's all helped me develop as a business owner. What do you think is, I mean, I'm sure that part of it, you mentioned being a millennial you're more willing to adapt and try these types of things. You're early in your career. So there's a lot more excitement. I feel like some, there's just a, a good majority of dentists that are just lagging behind and aren't interested in whether it's reviews in particular or social media, um, or marketing or website and digital content and stuff like that. What do you think is it that is, um, holding those people back that aren't jumping on board? I think it's just the familiarity of what they're doing and they don't want to put in the effort and they see that what they're doing is working. But what they have to look at is kind of the forecast. If, you know, social media wasn't as big probably, what, 10, whatever years ago, but it's here to stay and so are reviews. So why aren't you participating in that? Because the sooner you get in, the better the better you're going to do. Like Instagram is a game in which you need to get in early. And I got in a little bit late um, where the algorithm changed and it's hard for me to grow actually. So I'm putting in a lot of work to grow, but it's the same thing with Yelp. It's the same thing with stock market or <laughs> retirement. <fund. laughs> it's the same thing with everything. If you get into, if you can sense that something is here to stay is going to be important and you can get in early, it's all to your advantage. So people who are not getting on board, they just don't see the importance of it yet. And mm. they're kind of complacent, I would say, in that they are okay with the way that they're doing and they maybe 
are doing fine. And so they're like, why do I need to do all this? And uh, yeah, no, I think that there's the, you're right that there's a, a good majority of, and it's nothing, I mean, nothing against them. They've put in their time. They had their own things to adjust to early in the early days. But, um, yeah, I do think that there's some dentists that are just kind of at a place where, uh, they're content, you know, it's working and they're looking at the clock of when they're going to retire, which is in five years. And they're just banking on being able to ride out what they're on until then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not in like a growth mode necessarily. Yeah. I would say I'm like a, in that category of young, like hungry dentist where I want to get my practice out there to everyone who wants to come. So I'm putting all that effort out because there will be some sort of reward or people, it'll help people find us. And I think that I'm right, actually, right. I see it as we're doing people a favor by being out there and being findable. The worst is if you're like the best dentist in the world and no one's finding you because you're not out there. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Joyce, for taking the time to do this. This was um, good. And I, um, I'm excited that we finally got a Yelp elite person to, <laughs> on here to talk about Yelp because the dentists need to know that Yelp is not, even though there's some things that may be frustrating, in general, they um, are not out to get your business. There is some confusing things that we have to figure out, but there's a lot to be had um, in just reward and, and whatnot if you understand it and, and start sending your patients there. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And then believe me, I've been I've been hurt by some of these scenarios that I've been telling you, but I had a some of a paradigm shift where I look at the good of how many patients I get from Yelp and I focus on that. So I'm okay now being four years in. I'm a little bit more okay uh, with some of the negative things that come with it because there's so much positive that comes with it. And I wasn't like that before. It still hurts my feelings to get a bad review, but that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. Great. Well, we will be in touch and uh, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. All right, folks. Well, there it is. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate your attention and willingness to learn more about reviews. And we want to, again, thank our sponsor, Sky Media. They are the parent company of Boolean. Sky is a dental marketing company that specializes in working with endodontists and oral surgeons. So if you happen to be a specialist and you get a lot of your patients from referrals, give Sky Media a call or check out their website, skeye.media. That is skeye.media, sky.media.